Hi, Margot. Hi, Hannah. How are you? Happy, I'm well, thanks. Happy New Year, Margot. Happy what? <laughs> yeah, happy March New Year, Margot. Um, yeah, today There's I want to some... talk to you a little bit about Ladies' Day, which is the secret mm. real New Year in March. Okay, sure. I mean, if I get to start over this year now, that's excellent because I've done a really bad job at 2023. So, oh, yeah, no, nothing counts until March 26th. You are good to go, <gasps> yes. zero worries. <laughs> all set um no but i this is a this is a thing that historians know about but sometimes like history students even don't know about this until Mm -hmm. suddenly it dawns on them uh (laughs) which is that uh england had a different calendar than everyone else in europe until 1752 they didn't uh accept the gregorian calendar until 1752 Which meant that their years were a different length because they were not operating on the 365 (laughs) occasional leap year system that we have now. And it also meant that their year had different kinds of of benchmarks in the year. And the one that I want to talk to you about today is called Ladies' Day, which was the New Year's Day celebrated in England from 1155 to 1752. Okay. And in 1752, they adopted... The Gregorian calendar on January 1st, so that became the mm-hmm. beginning of the new year from then on. Okay. Scotland, wildly enough, switched to the January 1st system in 1600. So for okay. 152 years, these, Scotland countries, was just... <laughs> these countries that were immediate neighbors and then eventually unified under one crown were operating on different <laughs> calendars. So that's really great. So the Lady of Ladies' Day... Uh, is, of course, Our Lady, the Virgin Mary. Um, of course. And, of course. <laughs> the only How, lady. <laughs> there are no other ladies in history. We invented them in 1977 so they could start burning their bras. <laughs> A thing no, that it, definitely happened. Absolutely. Yeah, so this is the the uh, holiday of called, it's called the Feast of the Annunciation, which right. is March 25th, and it's the day that the angel Gabriel tells Mary she's pregnant. And that right. she is going to have this child who is going to be the Messiah. Surprise! Woohoo! <laughs> uh, and so that's the day they pick for the they picked for the year to start because right. there's a couple of reasons like that we think some of them are that, you know, like it's nice to pick the beginning of the conception period of the Messiah if you are Christian. Yeah. The other one is that traditionally in England. The 25th of March fell during a time where people weren't plowing or harvesting. Like, it's just kind of a, it's not a a fallow time of year. Yeah, it's kind of a vibe time where the crops are kind of doing their thing. You don't actually have to intervene that much. And so that's a really good day to renegotiate contracts because you have time to do it. And also, if you want to get the fuck out of the farming business next year or, you know, negotiate a different, you know, you you Mm -hmm. want to negotiate with a different landholder. You have the flexibility of doing that then, and you don't have a ton of like turnips about to come up that are going to need harvesting before you end your lease. So it became a good time of year for contracts to begin and end. So that's that's sort of a nice sort of side thing about that time of year. It was celebrated happily and in a 
feasting manner. We have many episodes on the Baba Yaga project about just how wild early modern feast days got. <laughs> but yeah, one of the things I think is really interesting that they kept the name Ladies' Day right. through the interregnum, through the Protestant Reformation in England. And like, oh. that didn't, they didn't get rid of the name. The name Ladies' Day is still attached to March 25th. It just doesn't mean anything except for the Annunciation anymore. Right. Except, and this is my favorite twist, that the British tax calendar, (laughs) you have to pay your taxes by April 5th, Mm -hmm. which it doesn't seem like it's called Old Ladies' Day because it's not... It's not where Ladies' Day is in the calendar now. Ladies' Day is always in the calendar on March 25th. But when England switched to the Gregorian system, they gained or they lost 11 days. So the day that (laughs) was Ladies' Day in the past is now... Like if you just kept Pearl counting, fifth? if you kept counting the nu- like the number of days in the year from the previous Ladies' Day, it would come up on the next April fifth. Yep. <laughs> if you started counting in seventeen fifty one, you would end up in April fifth, seventeen fifty two, and so that's okay. the day you have to pay your taxes because you had to pay your taxes by Ladies' Day. <laughs> And this is still, this is just a thing. Tax advisors just know that Old Ladies' Day on April 5th is the day. Um, It also makes life really fun for historians. It's not just the tax advisors who have a good time of it. Because you'll see dates. So, like, a very famous date is that King Charles I was executed on January 30th, Mm -hmm. 1648-1649. Right. Because he thought that it was 1648, and it would continue to be 1648 until January 25th, or until March 25th. But counting from January 1st, it was 1649. (sighs) It's not just the Soviet historians who have a fun calendar. Yeah. I I mean, there's months. We have years. Yeah, there's, I think there's so many fun like moments of confusion as to when things were actually happening because there's also like the whole period of the french revolution with the like the revolutionary uh, calendar yeah the base 10 calendar with 10 months with 10 days in a week three weeks in a month 10 months and the day the day the hours were broken into base 10 as well One of my favorite Twitter accounts is an account that just tweets what day it is in the revolutionary calendar because every day was in honor of something. Yeah. So it'll be like, today is March 25th, which is the something of Brumaire. And that is the day where we venerate the leak. Like, and they do this for every single day and it makes me so happy. Uh, We don't have anything that cute in British history, but we do have the year when they just skipped three months so that they could have New Year on the same day as literally everyone else except Russia. Everyone in Western Europe was already, had been on January 1st for years at this point. Yeah, so how, how many years how many years was everybody else on the new calendar, on the standard calendar that we use now? And it, like, what's the difference? Do you know? 
Well, it kind of rippled through the Gregorian okay. calendar it, because it, it's European history. It wasn't yeah. possible for everyone to just put do up this. and shut up and yeah. do it all on one day because that would be reasonable. That wouldn't be stupid. Um, so I know Scotland went in 1600. Okay. Which is yeah. well before England did. Yeah, when we say Britain here, we mean England. Um, yeah. Okay. Just to be absolutely clear. I mean, Saudi Arabia adopted it in 2016, according to the notes I have here. Spain, Portugal, France, the Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth, Italy, the Catholic Low Countries, Luxembourg, and all of their respective colonies adopted it in 1582. Great Britain and Ireland were not the last, obviously, because people are still working on it now. But in terms of like Western Europe, Sweden and Finland were 1753 and Greece was 1923. So those are sort of, you know, what do we, what is Europe? What is the West? But, you know, in terms of what we think of when we think about European history, so France, Italy, Spain, Germany, etc., they'd all done it by 1600. <laughs> the recording. Okay. So I'm so, okay. Yeah, the recording is fine. Sorry. I just, I looked something up because now I'm, questioning because that's well into that's <laughs> oh my gosh okay yeah so, so that's because that's a well into like the period that I study in North America as well and I just looked it up because like this isn't a thing that I've ever had to address before uh, because I'm normally working at the end of that century mm -hmm. um, with like a little blip of doing things with some puritans oh, but this at least according to wikipedia which i'm gonna have to check again um says that it was england and all of their colonies yeah but they say great britain ireland and all of their colonies which is like ireland is a colony of great britain at this point and also scotland had been doing it for over 150 years at this point so it's not it, it's so it feels to me like I need to become a Wikipedia editor and just kind of lightly query which colonies. What about Scotland? Oh, adoption in the Americas. Yeah, no. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So at least according to this, which I can check the citation on, but it says that so with the act that you are referencing, right? With um, yeah, the Gregorian calendar act. Yeah. The empire, except Scotland, which had already done so from 1600, changed the start of the civil year from April 5th to January 1st. Consequently, the custom of dual dating, giving a date in both old and new styles, can refer to Julian Gregorian calendar change. And then it says European colonies of the Americas adopted the change when their mother countries did. New France and New Spain had adopted the new calendar in 1582. The Gregorian calendar was applied in the British colonies in Canada and the future United States east of the Appalachian Mountains in 1752. Right. And when you think about, I mean, I know I, know, I don't want to be like, am, oh, you're an American, so revolutionary history. But like 1776, they've it's been on the new years. calendar for less than 25 years. And they're like, not only like we're jettisoning our colony you know, we're jettisoning the colonial overlord, but we're yeah. keeping the institution of slavery and we're keeping the Gregorian calendar. Right? Like, 
I, I just thinking so about funny. some of these. I mean, some it of does these territories make sense, though, because there are so many documents that have dual dates, which I also didn't think about until you mentioned when we were talking about recording this. You mentioned Tolkien, but Tolkien purposefully has the Shire on a which is supposed to be like the English countryside on a different calendar than the rest of the world. And so every time he gives dates, um, he gives it depending on who is talking about it. I have so much to say about Tolkien on this. No, it gets even more English because yeah. So he has the hobbits on their own calendar. Yeah. Um, and I mean, Middle Earth is really, really big. Like, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm in the middle of a big re-immersion, and it's just only kind of beginning to sink in for the first time in my life that this is a huge fucking continent. Mm-hmm. Oh, like yeah. when Gandalf is like, "Oh, I rode Shadowfax from Rohan to the Shire, and it took me like a week." I was like, "Sounds fair." And now, no, I'm like, that's holy like holy shit, that's like half a of that's, kilometers. Yeah, that's weeks. <laughs> Uh, compressed yeah. into days like this horse is flying yeah potentially literally <laughs> and so yeah he's got his shire reckoning and and he always says it like it was this day of april by shire reckoning uh, which yeah. i love that makes me very happy but and my like favorite in, in bilbo stuff because he's writing from rivendell if you look at like where they have like the direct passages from there and back again it does have two dates Yes. In a lot of the um, places, which I was just like, oh, what a quirky Middle Earth thing. But that's just, it's just. No, that's English. a deep, <laughs> the lore is so deep, it's actual history. But my favorite thing that he does is the day that Sauron is defeated is March 25th. I know. They, they put the ring in Mount Doom and win <sighs> on March 25th. And then Bilbo and Sam swoon on the mountainside. And it always makes me cry because they're like, well, we did it. Time to die together. And then Gwai here is like, what are these scuttly little weirdos? Let's rescue them. Yeah. But they wake up in the hospital and are like, what day is it? Am I dead? And Gandalf's like, no, it's April. It's mid-April. You've been in a coma. But you did it. You defeated Sauron. And you did it on March 25th, and that's now going to be New Year's Day here in Gondor. They're going to mark their new year by the day that you defeated Sauron, which is March 25th, which I love. Um, Because it's clearly a nod to like, you know, Sauron is, or sorry, Sauron. Gondor is kind of like a sort of stand-in for like the actual world of men like the mm-hmm. world yeah. that is not middle world the one that i live in whereas the shire is kind of the imaginary idyllic whoops yeah the imaginary idyllic british childhood zone mm-hmm. with the water wheel and like the happy little hobbits eating their apples and sharing their songs and clearly like his his use of shire reckoning is clearly a nod to dual calendar systems to yeah. dual dating but then also his use of March 25th as the day that Sauron bites it is like so clearly, he's clearly setting up Middle Earth, Earth to be like some kind of precursor to, and that's why we always did it that way until we adopted the Gregorian calendar. 
Yeah, I I love how this this wonderfully feeds into there's that wonderful tweet that Sonia and I talk about all the time where it's like, I want to just for any time somebody doesn't know something that I think should be common knowledge, just respond with, well, obviously you haven't read the Cimmerillion, just to like try and... <laughs> To try and feed the idea that the sum total of all human knowledge is in the Cimmerillion. It is. Uh, it, yeah, but yeah, this so is just like adds to that of like, oh yeah, well like every, everything you need to know about. And also there's kind of. English not, history. <laughs> and not to get oh. so deep into the, the, the fantasy lore here because we don't need to per se. We always yeah. want to though. But there is a way in which Tolkien loves like as a folklorist, as an old English mm -hmm. person, he loves cruft. He loves the yeah. fact that there are six different calendrical systems and that nobody speaks the same language and that the name Frodo is itself a translation of something. And yeah, just it's, it's like stuff. Mara, I think is what yeah. it is in, in actual Westron, which is then not technically the same language that is actually spoken in the Shire. And so even that is a rough translation of what he, or like a transliteration of what he would have been called in the Shire. Yeah. It, so he, he loves all of that stuff. That is yeah. what keeps people reading the Silmarillion all these years on. Mm -hmm. And it feels to me that he's like, we should never have changed the calendar. <laughs> We should be on dual dating the whole time. Like I, I want Ladies' Day back. I want it to be Hobbit's Day. It it feels like there. I mean, he's got this sort of deep nostalgia for a kind of Britishiness that is both a kind of nineteenth century strawberry jam and cream Britishiness, but also mm -hmm. a kind of ancient idyllic green and pleasant land projection of yeah. that 19th century life yeah yeah well, like i don't think yeah, i don't think the english civil wars were a thing for like tolkien's no. you know that's not a huge part of his british identity but the fact that they had their own wackadoo calendar that none of their neighbors used is yeah yeah i mean fundamentally and like if you've been listening to this podcast for long enough you've probably heard this story before because sonia and i have talked about it essentially every time we've talked about industrialism is because my husband one of the first conversations we ever had was him trying to convince us that Tolkien was a fascist uh because of some depictions in the films of the industrialization and fundamentally it, that's not what it is he's a pastoralist he's a medieval pastoralist he has this idea of what the pre-enclosure society in England was and wants to go back to that like victorian imagining of pre-enclosure of pre-enclosure england yes and, and yeah. i have like a lot of feelings about how that influences <laughs> tolkien's portrayal of mm -hmm. elves and my people yeah. comma the dwarves um <laughs> oh, and like all of this stuff too soon with no souls oops but are also these like genuinely sympathetic tragic figures who yeah keep getting their homes snatched away from them yeah. by forces that they didn't intend to evoke but actually invoked because they're so greedy but they're yeah, only greedy the because they accidentally put on those rings which they only did because god needs them to be part of the solution 
to the problem. It's it's not great. <laughs> He's not perfect. The, the racism and anti-Semitism of Tolkien is much more complex than people who don't really want to dive into the text ever want to make it out to be. They want it to be really simple. Yes, but it it's it's not. But also, we're not here to talk about. Tolkien. We're not going to. We'll do a separate one on that. Um, but but what is. Yeah, I mean, as with everything in Tolkien, there's there's the surface layer of this is a charming story, and then there's the mm-hmm. next layer of, oh no, World War One, and then there's seventeen more layers below that, and it's in those yeah. layers that you realize that the whole calendrical reform thing only happens because Ladies' Day was the beginning of the new year for about six hundred years in the early modern period and Middle Ages. Well, and now I'm doing I'm doing the math now, and World War One, which Tolkien served in and bases this whole story off of, is only like 160 years after this cal- calendar change. So his great 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 grandparents <laughs> would have lived through the imposition yeah. of the Gondorian Gregorian calendar. I have to say that I am really glad that this transition happened for the british colonies when it did because <laughs> the u.s can't even effectively instate the me- the switch over to the metric system a, a like functional base 10 unit of measuring oh, yeah. distance and liquid oh, no, <laughs> Much absolutely. Less, can you imagine trying to change the calendar in the united states no it wouldn't happen um but also because you're an 18th and 19th centuryist, you're kind of in the clear yeah. here, and I'm in the shit of it as a in 17th midst, centuryist. In the it's midst. Awful. Especially people, <laughs> and I don't really work on Scotland, but I have many beloved friends and colleagues who do, who are like mm. ping-ponging across the international date line. Anybody goes on a 20-mile hike. Um, <laughs> it's insane. Oh, gosh. The other thing I wanted to point out when you said that Tolkien was only 106 years after England made the switch, but like many of the nations involved in World War One, which he served in, mm-hmm. were not on Gregorian calendars for yeah. that entire war. Like he saw numerous countries switch to the Gregorian calendar in his lifetime. Yeah. I just, we don't think, we take time for granted, like it blows my mind. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, Tolkien was living during a time when he saw numerous other nations change their calendars. Mm-hmm. He's trying to harken back to a time when things were going better for everybody, slash the problems in the world were more surmountable Different. Than, yeah, than the post-war mess and could be solved by hobbits believing in themselves. <laughs> um <laughs> Which is great. I, it's literally one of my favorite books for this reason. And um, yeah, I was re-listening to them all because I was really sick and in hospital and took great comfort in listening to them on audiobook. And then when I was at home and listening to Return of the King on audiobook, uh, it turns out that that Ladies Day exists in Lord of the Rings as well, except I think it's Hobbit's Day there. Yeah, and it's also the New Year's Day for Gondor, and so I thought that was a neat, wonderful, uh, little yeah, Easter egg for the historians. I I also, I think it's really interesting to like pause and 
think like take time to think about how like all of this that we take for granted is like being sort of established and like a fact of existence is a choice that people have made oh yeah you know i i when i teach students it blows their minds that um bc and ad or bce and ce are totally arbitrary (laughs) markers or that uh you know, the people I study were on a different calendar to me. Um, mm-hmm. Or that there, like, there are still people like, you know, Jews use our own calendar. We have our own year that yeah. it is and our own months that it is. Yeah. And uh, you sometimes see this when you look at like books in Jewish history, the publication date will be like 5775 and then the Gentile year, the standard year beside it. Um, I'm not good enough at doing yeah. the conversions in my head, but you, you get the idea that there are still a lot of cultures that use dual dating and it still impacts our lives in weird ways, especially if you live in the United yeah. Kingdom and you have to file your taxes. Yeah. And I, I heard this interview with another historian who was talking about like the process of timekeeping as well and had this just to harken back to like other people on the project with us this person was talking about this ancient roman play where this guy is like throwing a fit and a half because the town now runs on sundials and he can't just eat when he's hungry yeah you can't like it has to be the appropriate meal time as determined by the sun yeah and this is totally beyond (laughs) beyond the scope of my research but something i find really fascinating Mm -hmm. is that we didn't get standard times or time zones until we developed trains and you needed to know that the 715 train from london was leaving at 715 whether you were in london or yorkshire yeah. Right. Because, if it was leaving uh, seven fifteen yeah. London time, but seven twenty three Yorkshire time, and you <laughs> want to catch it in between London and Yorkshire, how are you going to adjust when you show up at the station and how do you make sure you're getting on the right train? Yeah. And that's where you get Greenwich Mean Time. It's literally because yeah. we invented we invented a world in which people need to know what time things are happening and they need to be on time for things that are happening. Yeah, it was trains and steamboats, because like the advent of the steam engine was the first time that you could make a, a reliable route of something that wasn't going to be affected by like wind or rain or something like that. So if anybody is super annoyed that they have to get up at a specific time or have to do something like that, can blame Robert Fulton, who created the first commercially viable steamboat that led to locomotives and all of these other things. He's from New York. And yes. He's worst. <laughs> and we can also bra- blame capitalism in general. And we can also blame yes. those fuckers at the Greenwich Observatory. Yeah. They did this to us. Fuck those guys. They did it. Yeah. And it's the worst. <laughs> I don't actually know how the time switch was received. There's not tons on it. This is one of the things I would love the to read more. switch? Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the 17th century, or in the mid-18th century, um, Scotland did it in the 17th century. Good for them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know where people like, no, it's going to be 1751 until I say. Or where people just like, <laughs> yes, this is, this is eminently reasonable. I have family in France. I know people in Germany. And I want to be able to make contracts with them. This is the English that we're talking about. 
You said it, not me. The land of Brexit. You said it, not me. Oh my god, can you imagine if Brexit had also included a Grexit? <laughs> they would do it. They would do it just to be contradictory. Don't let me down, Rishi. <laughs> anyway, that's all from okay. Baba Yaga today. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking a break with us, regardless of what time of day or day of year you are taking this break. Um, and if it yeah. is March 25th where you are, a very happy new year to you. <laughs> this Baba Yaga break time was brought to you by Patreon supporters just like you. Follow us at Baba Yaga Project on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok.